0: come you'll enter the the home home of the ecu ECU pirates Pirates. pirate nation stand up and put your hooks in the sky sky. let's make this competition competition feel what it's like like. (laughs) (laughs) to be surrounded y'all with me come on Yeah. 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 yeah 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 Let's get it started. Get your hands at your pocket. Turn up the volume with the bomb and you're the target. It's on mind blowing with the whatnots. Doing everything, what's up? Trust dog, y'all ain't ready for this. High powered ECU's on fire. Scorched till the competition's begging for rain.
1: Welcome into the Sports Objective. A very excited evening. Uh one of our episodes, one of our favorite guests is back with us, right, Bubba?
2: Yeah, very excited right now to have the head coach of East Carolina women's basketball, Kim McNeil. Coach, how are you?
3: I'm doing great. How about you guys?
1: We're doing great, and uh, we've got a lot to talk about on the hardwood. Very excited to have basketball season. You know, Coach, I'm a big basketball fan. Thank goodness it's back. It seems like it's forever it takes. I know that you're glad that probably that you you don't have to worry about 100 games a year or something, but so glad to have the opportunity. By the way, I want to give you a shout-out. Um, I really love the banquet you did, and I hope that more pirate fans. With I know that Bub and Kyle couldn't make it that night, so I represented the sports objective because we really believe in you, what you're doing, and working hard. And even though it was a school night, I'm a single dad. I made sure that my mom was their grandma was babysitting them. I usually don't do that, but I want to do that to honor you. And I tell you what, I was overwhelmed with the commitment um, to women's basketball. How many people were there, and I was really impressed. I want to say this, coach, how many parents showed up. Uh, The girls that they're not like just local girls, they're women from all over. And the fact that you had parents that come from, I think one was from Michigan, uh, Georgia, all over the place. So, first, right at the gate, I want to congratulate you on a great, successful event.
3: Thank you. You know, when we, we wanted to do it last year, and obviously, COVID was an issue and wouldn't allow us to do it. But, you know, we didn't know what to expect going in. You know, our goal was really like 80 people. Like if we can get 80 people to come, you know, first year, that'll be great. Um, And then at the end of the day, our numbers were a little bit over 200. So I was overwhelmed um, when I walked into that room and saw that support, you know, for our team. Um, It was exciting. It it really got us really excited for the for the year. But like you said, we had tons of parents there from Michigan, from Atlanta, from South Carolina, just from all over the place. And you could just feel the support in the room. And then last night at the game, I actually saw, you know, several people that were at the tip off um, event that we had that I don't think had ever been to a women's basketball game. And so mission accomplished. That was the, the point of the dinner was to, you know, allow people into our family and get to know our players, get to know our coaching staff and, and want to come out and support them, you know, and because we, we want to get more people in Minji's on, on a nightly basis.
1: No, but no doubt about it, Coach, with the, with that success. And one of the things I told you in the green room a pre-show is the very fact that um, coaches do a great job, I know, with X's and O's and uh, how they treat the program and all that and do a great job recruiting. But I think one of the elements is missing: is selling your program, meaning you're literally recruiting uh, the fan base, right? In this case with East Carolina, and you've been good to us, not only our show, but you've done a nice job, I think, of getting out of the community, being really uh, selling your program to Pirate Nation.
3: Yeah, you know, I love being in college towns. You know, I was at Athens when I was at the University of Georgia. Um, Charlottesville at UVA, um, Harrisonburg at James Madison University, and it's it's just a different feel. You know, I've been in Hartford in a big city. I've been out at Cal in a big city. It's just different. You know, if you can if you can get the support of the community, it helps in so many different ways. I mean, it helps in recruiting. It helps in, you know, getting your young ladies out there to, you know, maybe somebody that was at the game can help them get a job once they graduate. You know, for me. You know, it's more than just about wins. It's about preparing my young women for life after basketball. And so everything that we do about getting out in the community and giving back to the community, at the end of the day, it's all about them. It's not about me. It's about them. It's about my staff.
1: No question, Coach, with the, the very fact of uh, you're talking about your staff. Can you, I know you have your husband, Coach Corey, but can you talk about your staff for, to give Pirate Nation, uh, we know a little bit about him, but You've got other great staff members that, speaking of the banquet, I mean, you have people that put on the banquet for you. You have a lot of people that are behind the scenes. I want to give them a shout out because I know they work hard and maybe they don't want the spotlight, but maybe they don't get the spotlight that it, they deserve.
3: Yeah, I have so many people in my corner, and I, you know, they're more than just a staff to me. They're part of my family. Uh, we do so much together, you know, we spend a lot of time together. And, you know, so I, obviously I have Corey, I have uh, Steve Pogue, who has been with me for going on five years now, two at Harford, three here at ECU. I have a new assistant by the name of Tamoria Holmes, um, who just started with us around June. Um, she is a uh, product of North Carolina, um, so she was so excited to get back closer to home. Um, I have my director of operations, um, Sarah Zolchak, who actually started off as our manager at Hartford. And... Um, ended up being our grad assistant our last year at Harford and came on down with us here at ECU. So Sarah's like uh, a daughter to me. Um, And then I have Andrew Yates, who's my director of creative content and anything you see on social media, any graphics, pictures, videos. Andrew does an unbelievable job selling our program. You know, a lot of programs will use that position as more of like a stats person, you know, like another coach a little bit but i didn't want andrew for that i wanted him to sell our program to sell my vision to really let the community in on what's going on with graphics and videos and he's done such a great job with that and then alex frazier who is now um a director can you hear me
1: yeah i think he was a little bit lag on his
2: end
3: oh okay Um, we got you
2: i apologize there's a little bit of a lag on my end go go ahead
3: okay and then last we have alex frazier who is a former player here at ECU and from day one, soon as I got the job, you know, she had to finish up her masters. Like you gotta hire Alex. She's a great leader, has done great things here at ECU and in the community. So, and then, you know, I have from managers to practice players, just have so many people that behind the scenes, nobody knows about, but plays a huge part in our program um, being successful.
2: Coach, obviously the first couple games of the season did not go the way we would have liked. Um- on the road at middle Tennessee, as well as high point, uh, just talk about the start of the season and then big win last night, uh, you know, very close game, um, mid third quarter, and then um, really blew the doors off, so to speak, on um, the last quarter and a half against Gardner Webb, and uh, got the offense that we've been looking for. Uh, so we'll talk about that game in a, in a moment, but just talk about the start of the season on the road.
3: Yeah. You know, middle, the, the, the thing about it, the two games that we have played, they've all were NCAA teams last year um, and, and are predicted to win their leagues. So we knew, you know, from the start, you know, we were going to be playing some tough competition and, and Middles is a really good team, a really good program. You know, they, they, they've done uh, really well for a really, really long time and they shoot the ball incredibly well. Um, you know, first game seven new players, you know, the system that we have is not easy. You know, I'm not gonna, you know, hide that, you know, the, the way that we press and get out and go, you know, it's a system that you don't pick up overnight and to have seven new kids in that, you know, it, it's a work in progress. I'm not making any excuses. Um, but, you know, obviously the two games we've played ha- hasn't gone our way. We really struggled offensively. You know the defense did its job. We turned middle Tennessee over 29 times but we just couldn't convert. We couldn't convert in transition and in half court, we really, really struggled to shoot the ball. And then kind of similar against um, High Point. You know, we go in there, I thought that was definitely a game that we could, we should have won, got off to a decent start. But we just find ourselves in, like, these scoring lulls that we go through. And we did that in the first half against um, Gardner-Webb last night. Um, where, you know, I'm not as concerned about our defense. Um, it's more about our offense and just trying to get that rolling and, you know, trying to figure out who are going to be our scores for us. You know, I envision – you know, putting this team together. And then this summer that we could have four double figure scores. And one of that being Taniya Thompson, Danae McNeil, um, Deja Green, and then kind of going back and forth between Tierra Chambers and Tyler Bennett. Um, And so, you know, for two games, we only have one kid in in double figures. That's not what I want to see. And even against High Point, you had Taniya Thompson with 28. And then I think the next was six. I don't want to see that either. You know, I thought last night the scoring was definitely more – Distributed, we got in transition, which is what we do best. And I think last night you saw a glimpse of what this team can look like going forward.
2: You mentioned that name, Tania Thompson, obviously a proven commodity. Last year she started every game for you. This year um, she's been very consistent so far. Uh, She's shooting 50% from three, nearly 50% from the floor. So just talk about her play.
3: Yeah, you know, Taz has, has started since she walked on campus here at ECU, you know, just a, just a, a, a loyal kid, you know, very quiet, um, very, very quiet personality, works her butt off. Um, after last year in the off season, we really talked about, you know, um, her her consistency and getting her, her scoring, her uh, field goal percentage up, um, you know, high volume shooter, but wanted to get her shooting percentage up. And, You know, my goal for Taz this year was, you know, and I keep saying and I'm going to continue to say it, you know, is getting the inside presence. You know, I think the last two years that we've been here, we've been so guard oriented. Um, We've kind of relied on her and Monk and, and they were having to take really tough shots. If they weren't the ones scoring for us, then we really struggled to score. And so some of those shots that she was taking, those contested shots, it was just because that's all we had. And so my goal for her this year was to get more open looks, more easy attempts, more gunshots, as we like to call them, by giving us an inside presence first and kind of work our way out. I still haven't gotten the scoring from my post that that I want, but um, she's been playing really hard for us. I think Danae McNeil being another option last night kind of allowed Taz to get going a little bit. And if those two guys can bring what they did last night every night, um, you know, I think we're going to be, you know, very exciting to watch.
1: And Coach, I know on Thursday you have Education Day, I believe it's at Hampton that you have on Thursday at Menji's uh, Williams Arena, 11 a.m.
3: Yes. So, yeah, Thursday's our education game. Won't be like the first one. I think the first one we had about 6,500 kids. But, you know, with COVID still, still being out there, they didn't want to, you know, pack the gym with, you know, kids that, probably 90% of them, maybe 99% aren't vaccinated. Um, So we kind of cut it down to 2000. So I think it'll still be loud in there. Um, It just won't be as loud as it was, you know, two years ago. That was a crazy environment two years ago, but I'm looking forward to it. That game's always fun and the kids always have a great time.
1: I know it will be. And uh, certainly that's nice. The university does that. And uh, it's another way to sell. We're talking about selling the program. What a great way with uh, the kids and, uh they kids can be loud that's a good thing <laughs> Uh when you have a basketball game all those kids are, that are packed in there I know that COVID one of these days we don't have to worry about that right coach
3: I hope not I hope not I hope it can go away but you know the, the whole point of the, the education game is that a lot of kids they have a great time but hoping they have a good time and go home and tell mom and dad hey I want to go back I want to go back to another game so you know if you can get if there's 2,000 kids there and we can get five of them to go home and say they want to come back, you know, that's 10 or 15 more people than we had before.
1: No question, Coach. I wanted to ask you about uh, the transfers, Denae McNeil's, the uh, Klinsman tra- transfer. I know that last night uh, she had 20-plus, I believe.
3: Yeah, she had – I think she had 23. You know, she was really a stat stuffer. I think she had 23 points, five assists, Um four or five rebounds, you know, two or three steals. And, and that's what I envisioned, you know, for her. I tell her, you know, I had beginning of the year meetings um, a couple of weeks with everybody going into the season, just kind of discussing their roles. And I told her, I said, on a nightly basis, I want to look down at that stat sheet and see you as a stat stuffer. You know, I just don't want to see you scoring for us because she can do so much. She's a six-foot guard. She's athletic. And I want to see you rebounding. I want to see you getting your hands out in the passing lanes, getting steals. And I thought she bought into that last night. She's really, really, really good in transition. Um, so, you know, she's you – know, I felt as a fan last night, if you were there watching us play, you, you want to come back, you know, because I thought it was a very exciting game.
2: Coach, in addition to Danae, you know, talk about the a few other Division I transfers you have as well as those newcomers because, like you mentioned, there, there are seven newcomers to the program. How are they finding their way?
3: Yeah, so there's seven new guys. Four, tr- four are uh, transfers and three are freshmen. Uh, we talked about Danae McNeil from Clemson. Also, Tyler Bennett, 6'4", transfer from um, Clemson, um, who I'm really, you know, um, on about wanting to get the ball inside to her, wanting her to be more aggressive, really, really demanding the ball and really rebound a little bit better for us. Um, and then Deja Green is a point guard transfer uh, who did her undergrad at Wofford, but did her master's at Virginia Tech last year. Um, and Deja's just she's just she's heady. She's a very smart point guard. She hasn't gotten it going offensively for us yet, but she can really shoot it really good mid range kid. But what I love about her is her leadership. You know, her leadership ability, how vocal she is and just a true point guard, just a true. You know, Monk was more of a combo guard. Um, but Deja is a true point guard that, you know, lo- thrives on getting people. The ball thrives on, you know, getting everybody where, where they need to be and being extremely vocal. Um and then with the three freshmen, one of them is out. Layla um, Acox from South Carolina is out. She's injured right now. She'll probably be back in a couple of weeks. Um, Isis Adams is from uh, Greensboro, North Carolina, um, and then um, Paige Lyons is from Atlanta, Georgia. And so you know that your typical freshman, you know, trying to figure it out. Um, trying to figure out the pace of the game, trying to figure out, you know, I did this in high school. I'm in college. I can't do that now. I can't make those kind of passes. I can't, you know, play that kind of, you know, lazy defense or I'm going to get exposed. So just a typical freshman, just trying to figure it out. Um, But just all just great additions. And I think they're all going to contribute at some point at one point, I don't know yet, but I think they will contribute at some point in the season.
1: And coach, a quick sidebar, I said with the Lions family uh, that's where you had me sitting and they were fantastic folks from Atlanta area. I know we were talking about how bad the traffic is. We bonded there because the, uh, I've driven many places, but Atlanta's a great city, but one of the worst places to drive in. And so we, we hit it off uh, pretty quick. They're tremendous folks. They are.
3: Yeah. Great. I got a great group of parents. I do. They, they understand, they support. Um, I, I can only imagine sometimes it's hard sitting in the stands, and not seeing your child play. Um, but have had great support and just understand it's a process. You know, um, they're, they're number one players in the country coming off the bench. They're number two players in the country on teams that aren't playing at all as freshmen. So, you know, it just takes time. It's different. You know, it's very different. It's an adjustment for for high school kids coming into college. And if they'll just be patient and wait their turn and keep working, it'll work out for them. But, You know, this generation, you know, now, especially with the transfer portal and you get the one time to transfer and go right in and play, there's less kids being patient. You know, they want to see what the other side looks like. Um, But, you know, I think the three I got are are three really good ones.
2: So it's kind of shifting gears a little bit. Um, Some really big uh, signings here recently for East Carolina women's basketball, including local product, Farmville Central's Amaya Joyner. So talk about those young ladies.
3: Yeah, Maya's huge for us, you know, not only for our program, but I think it's huge for the community, you know, to be able to keep a local kid at home 15 minutes down the road. And, you know, as soon as I got the job here at ECU, you know, everybody kept telling me, you know, as a young kid, you got to jump on her. You got to get on. This kid's really, really good. Um, And from the first day I saw her play, I was like, yeah, I offered her, you know, very quickly. You know, when I got here to ECU and just has been on her ever since, you know, she had some big schools come after her. Um, uh, You know, she's she's a homebody. You know, she loves her family. You know, she wants her family to be able to see her play. Um, She wants the opportunity to come in and and really make a difference and and be a star. And I think, you know, she hasn't even reached her ceiling yet. I'm so excited to coach her every time I watch her. I just see so many things. I'm like, this kid hasn't even been coached yet. And she's just doing some things that is just unbelievable. I mean, she's six three. She can shoot the three. She can put the ball on the floor. She can post you up. She can rebound and go coast to coast. I mean, she has a skill set that's extremely unique. So I'm really, really excited for her. I think that was huge for our program, kind of like when Holt stayed at home, you know, and decided to play for ECU. You know, and there's some other young talent, you know, here in in Pitt County that I hope will follow her footsteps um, that could really do a lot for the community. You know, when Farmville plays here in in the regional tournament, it's packed in me, You know, so I'm hoping that, you know, that following will come and and support her next year and and really, you know, um, be loud and be at our game. So I'm excited about that. And then a young lady uh, by the name of Jayla Earp from the Virginia Beach area. Uh, She's about a six foot guard. She played for Boo Williams um, AAU program um, and also has played in a really good high school program. But she's about six foot. She can shoot the three. She can get to the rim. Um, Another um, very versatile guard. And then we also got a young lady by the name of Bobby Smith out of um, Raleigh, North Carolina, that played for the Carolina Flames, which is one of the top um, AAU programs in the state of North Carolina. Another kid that's especially, she can shoot at six foot guard, can knock down a three, one dribble pull up. Um, just a really good kid that all three of them just really fit our system. But more importantly, they're just. They're great kids and they have great families. You know, so for me, it's not just about recruiting good basketball players. It's about recruiting good kids and good families as well.
2: Not to get off on a tangent, Dave, but uh, like Coach mentioned, as far as keeping local products home, uh, first year East Carolina softball coach Shane Winkler um, here recently received a couple of uh, commitments from top 100 prospects um, from right here in Eastern North Carolina.
3: That's awesome.
1: I wanted to ask you about that very thing you were we were talking in the green room pre-show about that very fact of how much great talent people don't realize how close uh, you know you hear the gas tank away they're not even a gas tank away uh, that you have a lot of great talent and I'm hoping that when she comes in like you said Farmville Central but you look all over the place in Pitt County Lenora County there's a lot of counties that are close to Greenville close to ECU and like you said if you get one player in there a few players and all of a sudden Next thing you know, you've got a, a program that not only to be proud of because they're 252 talent, but also in the ENC, but also the fact that you can compete in the American.
3: Yeah, and I just think it allows the community to connect. You know, they they know, you know, they have a personal relationship with these kids because they know them. They've watched them play all through, you know, high school when want to come and support. Um, but you're right. Uh, they, there's a lot of talent here in eastern North Carolina. You know, sometimes it's a challenge because sometimes kids just want to get away. You know, been in Eastern North Carolina all my life. I want to go see something different. And, I, you know, I think the good thing about us with Amaya was that, you know, she wanted to stay close to home. She knew she needed that support. She needed to be in an environment that was family oriented like we have here at ECU. Um, but, you know, you look at, you know, playing in the pros, how many guys are playing, you know, pro basketball that are from Eastern North Carolina. Brandon Ingram. Um, there's a couple more out there. You know, so this this area definitely produces a lot of great talent.
2: Okay, so if we begin to wind this down and talk about what you have coming up here in the near future, non-conference wise, uh, I know you have a game with Wake Forest some dockets as well as uh, Virginia Commonwealth. And then also talk about the American.
3: Yeah. So we're at, we got the kids game on Thursday at home and then we go to Wake Forest on Sunday, you know, always looking forward to playing an ACC opponent in the state of North Carolina. Um, our schedule is pretty much pretty regional. You know, we kept it, you know, besides Middle Tennessee, which was a return game from our first year that we didn't we weren't able to return last year due to COVID. Um, we pretty much kept everything in the state of North Carolina. Um, so, you know, I thought that was a way to keep our fan base connected too. you know, it's not a hard drive to you know, go to High Point or North Carolina Central or um, uh, Wake Forest. Um, UNC Wilmington. Um, those are some places I think our fans can come and watch us because once we get in conference play, <laughs> there is no driving, you know, and, and I think that's where we kind of lose a little bit. It's a little disconnect because it is so far away. And I think our fan base feel like they can't be a part of it because there's nowhere that they can travel to watch us play. But you know, our league is really good. I mean, you saw uh, South Florida almost beat Tennessee last night. UCF almost beat them a couple of nights ago. I think Tulane beat Alabama the other day. Um, So, so I, I, you know, once we get in the conference, you know, it's, it's tough and it's a battle day in and day out. I don't think our conference gets enough respect uh, from the NCAA as to how good we are. There's some great coaches. There's some unbelievable players, Um, but I'm looking forward to battling last year. I thought we did a good job, you know, with the top teams in the league. I don't feel like they blew us out. I, you know, we were, beating South Florida in the fourth quarter. We've beaten Central Florida in the fourth quarter. You know, they just pounded us inside and that's why I wanted to get bigger so that we could battle with them and be able to rebound and and, and be able to go back at them, you know, when they start pounding that ball. So I'm looking forward to it, but I want to finish this conference, non-conference schedule out, you know, on a winning note so that we feel good about ourselves going into conference play.
1: No doubt, Coach, we had Alan Vick, uh, who said Kim is a great basketball coach and a really good person, a great representative of the university. Love watching her teams play. They play hard. They play with passion. They play smart. She is building something here, and it won't be uh, too long before the Lady Pirates will start to turn some heads. And Alan is actually a product, by the way, Coach, of Farmville Central. So I know that's a little home cooking for him. I know that uh, how much he loves Farmville Central, but he is right, everything he said.
3: Thank you, Alan. I appreciate those kind words. I really do.
1: He's a dear friend of ours, and we've been radio friends since 1996. When you make a friend at radio coach, I don't know if it's like coaching at the D1 level, but when you make a friend in radio, you've done something because it's such a cutthroat business like coaching. So <laughs> uh, it's great to have my radio friends uh, that are uh, watching and viewing. Uh, coach, uh, like we said before we go, uh, we want to thank you for all that you're doing for the university. It means a well. Uh, when you have a, someone like myself who is a pirate um, we have the best fan base ever but it's great to have a lot of great coaches like yourself and thank you for the time and i hope that uh, obviously we want to win a lot of games this year do well in the tournament and um, and obviously another postseason tournament after that too so good luck to you guys and uh, how can people follow you on social media by the way
3: all my um is ecu coach kim ECU. You can follow me on Twitter. You can follow me on Instagram. You can follow me on Facebook and also ECU women's basketball. Um, Follow us. We have great content out there. We'll keep you up to date. You'll know everything that's going on with women's basketball here at ECU.
1: And I want to remind fans to get their season tickets, right, coach?
3: Definitely get your season tickets. You're going to be in for a show this year
1: one 800 hundred dollar ecu like old folks like me, or you can go to ecpirates.com. Coach, I know you got to run. Thank you so much for your time and good luck and looking forward to seeing the ladies play this year.
3: Thank you guys for having me as always.
1: Thank you, Coach. Take care.
3: Go Pirates.
1: All right. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks to Coach Kim McNeil. Appreciate her so much of uh, the support of our program. And of course, we're going to support her and uh, good luck to the ladies. I know that it's going to be a great season, Bubba. A lot of great talent. Uh, we're looking forward to the transfer pieces, and obviously we're looking forward to the, the new ladies that have come in, um, the freshmen and and some great sunnies. I'm very excited about the future of women's basketball here.
2: Yeah, very much. I mean, kind of like the men, uh, fairly similar situation, I would say. Uh, not quite as in tune with it, but you know, in terms of having several Division One transfers and then also a lot of new pieces, like you mentioned, seven. Uh, not quite as many as Coach Dooley and staff are, um, you know, working with this season, but a lot of uh, a lot of new pieces, and you got to have a little time to come together. Um, no matter how much they've practiced together, it's, it's different when the live bullets start flying, so to speak. Uh, so, um, be interesting to see how how they do just that as the season wears on. Yeah,
1: it's very exciting. You know that uh, her brand of basketball, um, obviously, she's really big with. I, I should have mentioned that didn't. You always remember after an interview, but I was going to ask her about her defense. But her uh, her defense is really intense. It's a very exciting brand of basketball. I'm not just saying that because she's uh, been good to us. It really is a lot of fun, and I wish her a lot of success. She's great personally. And great, uh, obviously, as a coach too. So good luck to her yeah, and the yeah. ladies this year.
2: Yeah, they clearly get after it on defense. Um, that's the staple of um, her program. Um, really, just need to find some offensive consistency, and you could tell she was she's been a little frustrated by it as well, um, understandably so. But you know, you look at it last night, uh, that game with Gardner Webb, it was forty to thirty nine, um, Gardner Webb mid third quarter. And then the Pirates outscored the running Bulldogs 42-12 to in the last 15 minutes. And for for the game, uh, they forced 17 steals. So uh, that's – and the thing about it is um, I I don't think anyone had more than three. And uh, I think that was just one person that had three. So it was pretty spread. Um, Those 17 steals were um, accumulated by about seven or eight different players.
1: No doubt, very. I, I just, I just love it. And I can't wait to take my kids. That's one of the things, Bubba. You and I uh, have a lot in common. But one of the things we have in common is we like to do a lot of stuff with our kids, and uh, definitely family-oriented people. And uh, I look forward to taking my kids to, and maybe the. I think the next time I can take them will probably be the Campbell game. Um, but that's the end of the. I think towards the end of the that Sunday after, we'll have to see if we can do it after Thanksgiving. But uh, certainly here to come and. I'm looking forward to, uh, I know if you were, uh, we always joke, but I know if you were in Greenville or surrounding areas, you'd be at a lot more stuff ECU was.
2: Of course, and um, speaking of tickets, I wanted to mention this, and so I'll go ahead and do that before I I forget to do so, but um, announcement from ECUpirates.com and the administration and John Gilbert and staff, uh, they are doing some ticket specials as anticipated for um, the Cincinnati football game as well as some of the men's and women's basketball games coming up over the next several weeks. And uh, you look at it weekend holiday family sale, 60 bucks. And for that $60, you get this four tickets to the Cincinnati football game. And then you have four tickets to the men's basketball game against Coppin state and four tickets to the women's basketball game against Campbell that you just mentioned. All right. And then you also have the weekend holiday family feast sale and that's eighty dollars. And for
1: eight, we lost Shabba there for a second. And I guess you're going through, uh, maybe you're going through a bad area there. But uh, certainly talking about the pirates and all the great specials going on right now. Thanks. So give a kudos to the administration uh, for stepping up and uh, doing these uh, specials, especially for folks. Get your tickets. ESPN. Uh, excuse me. Uh, ECPirates.com or one 800 We're talking about for men's and women's um, basketball, but also for that Cincinnati game. Faculty, you can get uh, tickets for $10 of be a faculty. Uh, let's pack that stadium for Cincinnati. three thirty game on ABC. Are you kidding me? What else do you need? Uh, right, Bubba?
2: Yeah, for sure. Can you hear me okay now?
1: Yeah, I got you back.
2: Okay, I disconnected from the Wi-Fi. Um, but – yeah, the the difference in the, the two packages—they're both for the uh, same games, uh, which are the Cincinnati football game and then the Coppin State men's basketball game and Campbell women's game—is um, four tickets to each of those to each of those games. But then the the difference is um, that for the Family Feast sale, that it also includes four hot dogs and four uh, regular fountain drinks.
1: Again, kudos to administration for ECU. Uh, athletics, for doing that. That's the kind of stuff that they've. Uh, we always compliment them on, and uh, that's exactly what we need to do. We need that place, like you said, Bubba, we've talked about many times, uh, rocking no matter what uh, sport it is, and uh, I'll give them uh, credit where credit's due. Uh, we've got lots to talk about, and Bubba, I know we have another great uh, guest that we have here. Uh, one of our old, when I say old friends, I don't mean age. Talk about one of the early guests we had way back in, uh, 2018, right, Bubba?
2: Yeah, this is an East Carolina guy, um, just like yep. us. And right now, very excited to welcome into the show, uh, Antoine Staley.
4: Hey, how you doing?
1: Good. It's been a minute, man. Glad to have you back. I know that a lot of stuff going on. Very excited. I uh, will tell you one thing: uh, you're a sports guy. We're sports guys, and the media uh, today and here recently, there's so much to talk about. I mean, where do you want? To, where do
4: you want to begin? This is like a buffet for sports. I mean, you know me. I can talk about anything, so I'm I'm good to go. I know I heard y'all guys talking about uh, the ECU Cincinnati game. So, yeah, that that's probably as big of a contest uh, for the powers, especially in Greenville. They've had in so long, so that's definitely gonna be um, interesting and spirited, and uh, also, you know, happy to see the powers get gonna be back in the bowl game for the first time in a long time. No
1: doubt about it. In fact, uh, I had a question for you guys, for both of you, Bubba, and then we'll dive in. But one of my dreams, I know this is silly and people probably, I love the show. And I was thinking about this on Saturday. So both of you guys are pirates. How cool would it be to have game day there? I've always wanted game day to be there. Um, I know that may be like so corny or cheesy because I love that show so much. I wish we could have it on, you know, Black Friday. I know that's crazy. I know it's not. It's usually a Saturday kind of thing they do. But um, I think that Mike Houston with this program is headed in that direction. I think eventually, in the next year or two, you'll see where we'll have Game Day there. Maybe is that crazy for me to think, or I just really feel like this program is headed to big, big heights.
4: No, for me, no. I I mean, look, I, I think Mike Houston's done a really good job, especially the circumstances. I know a lot of Pirate fans have been hard, hard on him, but you have to consider the what he took over. Uh, so it was going to take some time. And, you know, especially with the COVID year last year, I knew that was going to be a little bit of a struggle, but you kind of saw um, signs of this team starting to turn the corner last year. And, I think that's carried over to this year. They played a tough schedule to start out with, but I think those that start really has propelled ECU to be where they are. And I thought they get enough to do enough to get to a bowl game this year. And you know, hopefully, you know, it's a launching pad for things to come. But you never know. You never know what might um, be allowed in the future. Uh, I know the conference is going to change up a little bit, but it's an opportunity for ECU to maybe to grab the ball by the horns and possibly be uh, one of the top team's in American.
2: Before we shift gears and talk some other college football topics, Antoine, uh, wanted to get your thoughts. Obviously a couple of the big storylines this season for the Pirates, the play of Keaton Mitchell. Uh, Keaton uh, did some nice things last year as a freshman, but it was more Rajay Harris and you saw some glimpses of uh, what Keaton Mitchell could do. But um, this year, man, has he been a home run hitter? Um, last I checked, I think going into last weekend, and um, he had a big play or two last weekend of 25 or 30 yards. So, you know, he was leading the nation in um, yards yards per carry, I believe, and, um, you know, hitting the home runs. So so what are your thoughts on him as well as on the improvement of the Pirate defense? Um, they've just been uh, playing really, really well under Blake Carroll.
4: Well, I think uh, just you talk about Keaton. I think he's been just tremendous, and you kind of hit it. You kind of took my thunder. I was going to say he's really a home run hitter. I think you saw that uh, even in the game against Appalachian State to start the season, and you know I know things didn't go their way, but yeah, he's been solid. Is one of the one of the better running backs in uh, in college football. Definitely one of the more underrated, averaging over seven yards per carry, and you know had eight touchdowns this year. So yeah, I definitely think. He has been uh, a blessing and some that's um, taken a lot of pressure on holding Ayers, too, as well. So I think he's been a really valuable asset offensively and defensively. I thought that's kind of what the key of the team has been. Uh, I think last year and even the years prior to that, I think the defense was – Young and inexperienced, and you know, you definitely saw a lot of that, um giving up a ton of yards and a lot, a lot of big games. And this year, they've kind of settled down and really been one of the strengths of the Pirates this year. And I think that's really the big part of the turnaround. And I think you've seen that in the last couple of weeks, even in some of their losses, you know, maybe to you know to Houston or UCF. I think you saw the defense really step up and play, you know, better than I think a lot of people expected, and. You know, I definitely think that will continue to carry on. And that's why I think they have potential. to You know, you never know what may happen against Cincinnati. I think they have an opportunity, especially considering we've had – they've had – Cincinnati's had some close calls recently. So, you know, if, if the Pirates can, you know, play up to their best defensively and, you know, we know what they can do offensively, this definitely could be a better game than I think a lot of people give, you know, give it credit for.
2: No doubt about it. And, uh, you know, Blake Carroll and that defensive staff um, – To say they had their work cut out for them was an understatement, just period, uh, even if COVID had not been a thing. But with everything that they battled last year, uh, man, um, a tough year to be implementing a new defense. So, uh, and then you factor in all the youth on that side of the ball. But, um, you know, some of the hardships they went through last year, and you saw the bright spots uh, at times. Um, it's, it's really paid off now and uh, moving forward um, because there, there's so much youth on that depth chart. Um, there's, you know, so much hope for years to come.
4: Yeah, I, I definitely think so too, especially you're going to get a lot of those guys back and um, that'll definitely, you know, and you're going to add more talent on top of the depth that you already have. So, yeah, I definitely think um, this guy's the limit for this team and I definitely, you know, I definitely think, you know, moving forward next year, you know, Cincinnati, going to probably lose a lot of players, even though I know some of the players have an extra year due to COVID, and uh, I definitely think, the, like I say, it's going to be an opportunity for, you know, ECU and, you know, some of the other teams to possibly, you know, take a stand and uh, be a lot better than what they have been in previous years in America. It's definitely going to be an interesting conference moving forward, especially, like I say, with UCF and Cincinnati uh, and Houston eventually leaving, but yeah, I definitely think uh, next year, I, I mean, I, I think Possibly seven wins. Uh, We have a few more games left in the season. You know, maybe eight if you things break right in the bowl game. But yeah, who's to say that this team can't win nine or ten games maybe next year? We'll just have to wait and see. But yeah, definitely think uh, this talent is definitely um, things are good. Good things are starting to happen there at ECU finally for the Pirates.
1: You know, Antoine. One of the things that, and if you don't believe me, you can go back and listen to our. Not that you would, but people could go back and listen to me when Mike. Houston was hired. All the guys on this podcast, a lot of Pirate Nation wanted Mike Houston as our coach. We got our wish, right? He's hired on my grandmother's birthday, December 4th, 2018. I said right after that press conference, I was confident the year four that he would be competing for a conference championship. At that particular time, think about how crazy of a statement that is. I think that, uh, not that I will. You know, like say I, I told you so, but in this particular case, I'm glad I'm right. I think the program is even headed um, even higher than really than we really dreamt of. Even this close, you know, right now in year three, and I really believe next year you're right. There's a lot of teams that won't have the same players. You've got guys now that that are uh, their talent has been there at East Carolina with uh, with Houston, but they've been playing Antoine. Look, how many years do we have to play with? It seems like these guys are still young but the great thing about it is our good friend pirate al mentioned a few weeks ago the great thing about it is we've got these guys for a few more years you know it's not like that this is a senior led team and all of a sudden we're going to a bowl and then we lose a lot of talent we've got
4: a lot of talent for the next two or three years yeah i think that's that's why i think uh things are starting to look up too as well i know you know you look at the numbers defensively and You know, I think a lot of people say, well, you know, they're still not great defensively. And, yeah, I mean, statistically they're not. But I think we think what they're doing on on that side of the ball, especially in recent weeks, doesn't necessarily show up uh, in the stat sheet or show up uh, statistically nationally. But, yeah, I think, you know, like I say, the the depth at the running back position, depth at wide receiver, um, you know, offensive line, I definitely think has gotten a lot better. Defensive line, uh, I think you've seen it getting better too. So, yeah, I think – that along with some of the recruiting class that's coming in, I think it's a decent class of guys. Uh, I think Houston's done a really fantastic job, especially, like I say, considering the fact that uh, you're dealing with a COVID year and uh, it wasn't an easy job to take over with to begin with. Kind of as close to rock bottom as you could be, but yet you know you're you're seeing the fruits of his labor and seeing what he's been able to do recently and. I definitely think uh, that's why you're seeing this turnaround um, in this year, in 2021.
2: Shifting gears away from the Pirates, I know you're an avid college football fan. You know, you've written about the topic for, for years, and you covered the Miami Hurricanes. So you're in tune with what's going on in the ACC, as well as just being uh, from and living in this region. Uh, today, Virginia Tech parted ways this morning early. You know, Justin Fuente, 43-31, um, Fuente, and 31, He had won 10 games and nine games his first two seasons, but since then, six wins, uh, going six and seven, uh, eight and five, five and six, and then five and five uh, thus far this year. Uh, So what are your thoughts on that move up in Blacksburg? I mean,
4: I think you kind of saw this coming, to be completely honest. I mean, it just – it just didn't work out, really. I mean, it, you know, the first couple of years, as you noted, it was really good for Fonte and you know he was even talking about being, you know, leaving Virginia Tech for Baylor. But, you know, the last few years, it just, you know, you're replacing, you know, a legend, really, and Frank Beamer and just really hadn't worked out whatever the place may be. And you know, now, you know, you're kind of starting over, too, as well. So, yeah, I definitely think um, it was a move that I think a lot of people expected, uh, especially with the way he started and playing in the a c c championship game against Clemson uh the next you know this first year and winning nine games as you alluded to, but yeah, I just think um also the size of the ball, they just continue to struggle they're like getting worse and worse, and the recruiting class just isn't wasn't there what it, what the custom of being check is used to, so now you got another job opening in the a c c and also in college football, so yeah, I definitely think it'll be one that probably you know among maybe top f- like four or five in the country depending on what happens with some of the other jobs too as well. Miami Miami was f- firing their AD yesterday. Oh, yeah. I imagine that's probably gonna be another job that's gonna be open too as yeah. well. So yeah both Miami and Virginia Tech will both have uh coveted job openings this this uh, winter.
2: Before we yeah, move on but- from the Virginia Tech job Dave, I wanted to get Antoine Salt some not surprisingly, uh, first-year South Carolina head coach Shane Beamer has already come out and said that he has no interest in the position. Uh, so who do you think uh, – you have a guy like Hugh Freeze right there in, uh, in Lynchburg at Liberty that's done such a fabulous job there. He had the issues that he had down at Ole Miss, um, but um, he has just done a remarkable job there with the Flames. So um, what are your thoughts on you – do know, you see Virginia Tech – potentially uh, considering that route or uh, who are some other names you expect to surface?
4: Well, I think Gary Patterson, the way he left TCU, I think he, he's only 61 years old as magic. I mean, it's crazy as it sounds like as long as he's been at TCU, he's only in his early sixties. And I definitely think he's going to, he's going to line somewhere. It's just a matter of where that is. Could it be Virginia Tech? Maybe. Could it be a situation like Miami or, Washington and some of these other job openings, sure. I definitely think so. But I think he's a name you look for. I think Jamie uh, Chadwell from uh, Coastal Carolina, I definitely think that's a name, too. You mentioned Hugh Freeze. I definitely think that's obviously a name there. Billy Napier, you know, Louisiana. I definitely think that's a name. Luke Fickle, I mean, I think Fickle's going to have his, you know, choice of jobs wherever he wants to go. Um, He'll probably be on the top of everybody's list. So what do you talk about, USC and or LSU or Washington and whoever. But, yeah, I definitely think he'll be, you know, in the midst for wherever he wants to go. It's just a matter of where he wants to land at. But, yeah, those are probably the, the names that I'll kind of look at for possibly Virginia Tech.
1: Antoine, there's more in the ACC and outside the ACC. I'm looking at uh, one that uh, certainly you are talking about that uh, you cover the team with uh, the U, uh, and you alluded to. Uh, what about Manny Diaz? Uh it doesn't look like, like you said, the AD uh, being gone, being fired was two days ago as recently. And uh, you look at a guy, I mean, the U, um, they have great fans. Uh, there's another fan base, a couple more that we'll talk about in a minute. But sometimes they have to realize that, you know, that, that this is not the 1980s or 90s, uh, the way that college football worked or even, you know, the. I know that there's tradition. I know there's championships. But uh, why wouldn't you give a guy like him uh, some more time? Considering that if you fire him, you owe him the money. Plus, you set your program back a couple years, don't you?
4: Yeah, I, I think I think had they brought Blake James back another year, then I would say, yeah, Manny Diaz is definitely going to come back next year for sure, just because he's a, the uh, buyout is eight million dollars. And I I was thinking, okay, who who are you going to get really? So you might as well just stick with him. You know, at least for one more year and see what happens. And then the Florida State loss happened. I think a lot of, and I tried to tell people, you know, in the offseason, I thought Florida State could possibly beat Miami and people thought it was crazy. And, you know, lo and behold, it ended up happening. And then everybody's freaking out and they say, oh, well, Manny Diaz has to get fired now. There's no way he can lose to uh, Florida State. But, you know, the fact of the matter is Miami, Miami ain't what it used to be. That program, I think it's a, You can win in Miami. You can be a top twenty-five team, but it's never going to be what it was. Like it's just—I mean, I think a lot of fans still, you know, have have hard time coming to terms with that. They think it's, you know, up there with Oklahoma or you know Texas. And you know, even though I know Texas is struggling, but you know, Oklahoma and LSU and Alabama, like it's not a top ten job. It's not a top twenty job. I don't think, especially with. You're with the limitations that you have with a private school, and yeah, I know USC is a private school, but they have a ton of more donors and money than Miami could ever think about. But yeah, I just think you know Miami should be a job where you should you can win eight or nine, you can win nine games a year. I don't think you should win any lower than nine games, and can and also compete for conference championships too. But the problem is they hadn't really necessarily done that, and you're seeing right. teams like North Carolina or Pitt be be better than them in football and that probably shouldn't happen either so i think that's kind of also irking the fan base too but yeah i think it's an interesting job is it comes with a lot of positives especially being in the state of florida and south florida where it's very talent ridden but this also comes with a lot of challenges and they don't have the best facilities whatsoever right. and until they straighten that out and until they care about football and i'm talking about the administration then I, I don't know if Miami will ever, you know, reclaim what they once was in football. Even then, I, I still think the landscape has changed to the point where they're not they're never gonna dominate the way it was. It's just a matter of can they be happy with being a nine, 10 win, a top 25 team that occasionally competes for ACC championships here in and out. That remains to be seen at the fan base, especially considering a lot of the fan base remembers Holland Snellenberger or Dennis Harrison and some of those other teams, too,
2: as well. Now, Antoine, uh, while we're in the state of Florida, uh, let's go to Gainesville. Uh, You know, (laughs) it's crazy to think that the Florida Gators nearly upset Alabama um, back when Bama was number one, Um, you know, they missed out on that two-point conversion. And then, uh, you know, here we are, you know, a month and a half, two months, whatever, down the road. And they're giving up, in consecutive weeks, 40 points to South Carolina and then 52 points at home to Samford. Uh, and and Samford scored 42 of those points in the first half, which is the most that Florida has ever allowed to any opponent in one half of football. Uh, and that's just mind-boggling with, um, you know, the teams they've played down through the years. Yeah, I mean, it's –
4: it's kind of been a decline really for Florida within the last year,, uh, you think about it. Well, it's really since um you know, Marco Wilson threw the shoe in the LSU game when they you know lost at home in Gainesville last year, uh, Florida is five and seven at that point since then. So since that point they they lost to lSU they, things came off the trade tracks pretty quickly. They were eight one heading into that game last year. They lost the LSU, they lost the close game to Alabama. Which they gave Alabama again their best shot and came up short and then just completely fell apart against Oklahoma in the bowl game last year. And you're seeing that you know, carryover this year. They gave Alabama their best shot again, too. They gave Alabama everything they had and they ended up losing. And after that, it's just, you know, been a, you know, downward spiral to the point where uh people are talking about Dan Mullen possibly could dismiss. I, I don't know if I'm I think he's I don't gone. know if he will, but I definitely think that you know, things are starting to heat up pretty quickly for them. Now, if they lose to Florida State at home um, in a couple of weeks, then I think, you know, they could take an interesting situation too as well, especially if they got Missouri coming up on Saturday. That's not necessarily a guarantee considering you struggle with Sanford. And then you got a L- F- uh, Florida State team that's getting better. So, they better win that. They better win one of those games, at least to get into a bowl game. Probably, preferably two of them, just to be sure. But yeah, if you lose both of those games and finish under 500 then all bets are off especially uh considering the circumstances
2: and it's just crazy to think Dave um very quickly what he was saying is if the Seminoles go to Gainesville and win who would have ever thought that Florida State would lose to Jacksonville State and <laughs> then and then beat Miami and Florida yeah. in the same season
1: yeah and guys uh I tell you what you were talking about Dan Mulligan. Um, I think that uh, I can make some ties to Justin Fuente and him. I think they're good coaches. I think they were the wrong hire as far as the culture, the fit for the program. Uh, we're talking about Justin and uh, Virginia Tech. You're seeing that today. And I think Dan Mullen, uh, I think he was great, a great fit for Mississippi State. And sometimes you have that, that old uh, saying the grass of these coaches, they have, uh, and players now with the uh, transfer portal that they have this thing where they think the grass is greener. He, he, I understand Florida's a good job. I'm not saying it's not a good job. But going back to your point, Antoine, with um, Miami, uh, look how many – I've mentioned this on the show a couple of times. Look how many great teams – well, we you say great, good teams, teams that are improving in just the SEC East alone. Tennessee is coming back. Kentucky, I mean, Mark Stoops, what he's done there – in Lexington, are you kidding me? At a basketball school, and just the fact that they gave that man all those seasons to uh, to build a program like they did, they were very. I got to give them credit in Lexington. They were very smart to give him time. What did they have to lose when basketball is their really their sport that they love the most? He's both done a nice job. You look at uh, Shane Beamer is an outstanding recruiter. Um, I know he's a new coach at South Carolina, but the Gamecocks are going to be. You got to feel like they're going to be better. Look at Kirby Smart. I mean, the guy is like recruiting out of his mind. Number one class again already this year. Um, before I know, we've got a month, I guess, before the uh, early signing period that we'll talk about. But that's, but that's just crazy, don't you think, guys?
4: Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think I think the the thing about Florida is the expectations there because you're fighting with ghosts. Really, you're fighting with Steve Spurrier. Um, you're fighting yeah. with. Urban Meyer and these fans that as, if you're not winning, if you're not competing for SEC championships, if you're not winning 10 games at Florida, then everything else is a disappointment. And yeah, Mullen, you know, he's been to three straight New Year's um, days, New Year's um, six bowl games, which I was like, yeah, that, yeah I think it's a little bit too, too soon to fire. And then, you know, like I say, things just kind of came off the track pretty quickly. Um, and then to the point now, people are comparing his record to Ron Zuss there uh which is very eerie wow. eerie similar if you look wow. at it but wow um, yeah it is uh but I, I don't like i say i think it's two different circumstances there but yeah like i said i i have a hard time i think mullen will come back but yeah i think it's, he's definitely going to be on the hot like a hot very hot seat moving forward I, it wouldn't surprise me especially with a lot of um somebody brought this up to me uh the other day it wouldn't surprise me with all the coaching you know movement Maybe Dan Mullen, you know, decides to go somewhere else. Uh, somebody, yeah. that, you know, might be, you know, a little bit better, better fit for him because there's a ton of job openings for him, and you don't necessarily have to deal with the pressure of um, being at Florida because he clearly has not been happy. And I'm not just talking about on the field; I'm talking about doing some of his press conferences too as well, uh, just dealing with some of the media and the nuances there. So hey, it wouldn't surprise me totally if he was to go out and just say, "Hey, you know what? I've had enough. Maybe I can go." You know, or the you know, Washington State or Texas Tech or, you know, Washington and, you know, potentially be a better fit there. Yeah, and blah, one blah, blah, of the blah. things
2: I saw here recently uh, was as far as Coach Mullen maybe making a jump to the NFL as an offensive coordinator or something with his um, background there. Um, and obviously you're a little more in tune with the NFL scene than I am. Uh, so um, do you think that's something that we could see?
4: I mean, I wouldn't rule it out. I mean, anything is possible. Definitely, uh, you know, he had juice to possibly being an NFL head coach at one point in time too. I know uh, prior to the Cowboys hiring Mike McCarthy, I know a lot of people thought that you know he might be a fit for you know Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys, but obviously that didn't come to fruition. But yeah, I mean, it's like I say, he has not been happy all year for a lot of different reasons, so. It, it wouldn't totally shock me if he were to leave there too, as well. It's just, it just seems like things have just gone sour in quite a hurry for him and the University of Florida, and especially the fans too, as well. Something's going on in Florida. I got two
1: more things to mention. I know Bubba, we're we're running out of time, but uh, quickly on Butch Davis out at FIU, he's he's uh, <laughs> they did him wrong, so he's like, I'm I'm pretty much done with my coaching career, and he's calling them out, talking about. Players that they're the program is so down and they're not spending any money that players from former schools are bringing their shoulder pads there. It's all kinds of crazy chaos there at FIU. And the other thing I want to mention too, guys, is I'm hearing that David Cutcliffe in Durham at Duke University is retiring after. And yeah, they've had three straight losing seasons. Uh, tough there. I know that you all three of us are on Tobacco Road. So are you hearing that in Durham? Uh, any about yeah. uh, Coach Cut? Yeah,
4: I, I I mentioned that to some people uh, like just kind of off the record uh before the season. I was I said that if don't be surprised if Duke has another losing record, he could decide to retire at that point. Or it can be one of those instances where you could see a force, you know, type of retirement. Type of deal, because not to say that Cutcliffe hasn't done a good job at Duke. I think everybody would say he did, he has, especially considering the circumstances. But you know, the losing seasons and everything like that, especially recently, last year you get a bit of a mulligan because it's COVID. But this year you're just kind of there. You're not really seeing the improvement that I think some people want. And maybe it's you know it's the time to put, get another younger coach in there. They can go in there and recruit maybe a little bit better. But well, Duke is going to have their limitations, but. You know, maybe, you know, it can be a situation like, you know, a Stanford uh, or something like that, possibly winning six games, seven games each year and competing for bowl games at least. But, yeah, I've definitely heard that. And uh, uh, but, and FIU is a mess, especially with the AD retiring recently. And it has been a ton of changes there um, in administration. And Butch is just part of, part of a little bit of that, too, as well.
2: Final thing I have for you, Antoine. Um, as the college football season is winding down, you mentioned the Cincinnati Bearcats. Bearcats still undefeated, uh, ranked fifth currently in the college football playoff poll. You have Georgia, who's a clear-cut number one. Um, you know, hands down, uh, with that defense they have, also very, very solid on the offensive side of the ball. And then you have number two, Alabama, who's um, they had the near miss we just referenced a few minutes ago at, at Florida. And then, uh, obviously, the loss at A&M. Who do you see, uh, in addition to Georgia, who who do you think the other three in the playoff will be?
4: I think Ohio State to get there. Uh, I think they all went out. Uh, Although, I'm not as convinced, though, but they they do have Michigan State. They have Michigan. And then whoever they play, uh, assuming that they win both of those in the Big Ten Championship, probably Iowa at this point. So, Yeah, you have some three tough games in a row coming up for Ohio State potentially. So I think it'll be Ohio State. I think think Alabama's going to beat Georgia in the SEC Championship. Now, I think Georgia might win the national title, but I think Alabama's somehow going to find a way to beat them in the SEC Championship, and then those two possibly may meet up for the national championship. So just kind of like it you know, sort of maybe a rematch in the national championship from 17. So, yeah, I definitely think Alabama's going to find a way into the playoff. And then the fourth spot, I'm going to reluctantly still pick Georgia. I mean, oh, I mean Oregon, excuse me. Uh, I think they're going to find a way to get in uh, potentially, but they have a tough game against Utah coming up. And then I'll, they're probably going to play Utah twice in three weeks too as well. So, yeah, if they can beat Utah, and if they keep winning out, then they're going to get into as well. Considering the fact that they beat Ohio State earlier this year.
2: Yeah, I was yeah, just looking just, at that, uh, Dave. Sorry, I'm, just, I'm just piggybacking off what Antoine was saying about two potential matchups in a short period of time with Utah. Um, if Cincinnati is going to find a way to, you know, squeeze their way in, and I, I really don't, I don't think they're going to allow it to happen. But it, if they have any shot. Uh, what? However small it may be, um, Oregon's gonna have to lose, and um, and obviously, um, I mean, I, I really, I could see them putting a, somebody like a two-loss Alabama or a two-loss Ohio State in over Cincinnati, just the way the thing is uh, structured.
4: And yeah, and, and real quick, it's not. I mean, it's no guarantee Cincinnati wins out either. So, right. oh, have, of course not. Run.
2: Just, just hypothetically, if they did. Yeah.
4: Yeah, they could, because yeah. they got they got a tough road too as well. And like I say, we talked about the game against the powers, but SMU is not going to be any walking the part for them, especially the way they played recently. So I wouldn't count that. I wouldn't count that game out either. So and then obviously the American Championship too as well. So yeah, they got some yeah. tough games coming up too as well. I don't think a lot of people are. I think a lot of people are kind of automatically saying they're going to finish undefeated. Where I, I don't necessarily no. think they will actually. No. No, we're, I, we're, I cer-
2: we're certainly planning on them not winning out. That's right. I yeah, tell I think you they're going to
1: lose at some point. I really do. It's going to be on Black Friday. Get your tickets, ECUPirates.com. You can see history being made, $1-800 ECU. Antoine, I tell you what, man, exciting time. We're definitely going to have to have you back. I know we're running out of time. You were nice enough to come in last minute. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you so much. How can people follow your work? Tell everybody uh, you about follow- it.
4: You follow me on Twitter, Antoine Staley. That's probably the best way to find me, too, as well. And, you know, I like to interact with people. So, yeah, please do um, follow me. And, you know, I might follow you back, too, as well. All right, man. Thanks so much. Hey, by the way, uh,
1: before we let you go, I want to wish you and your family a happy Thanksgiving early to you and uh, the holidays. And we'll have you back home real soon, my friend.
4: Yeah, I look forward to it. Thanks, guys, for having me on. And happy holidays to all of y'all as well.
1: Same to you, brother. Take care. I appreciate him very, very much. And, Bubba, I know before we go, we want to promote uh, – we have our Pirate Football preview coming up on Thursday night, right?
2: Yep. Um, obviously, Thursday will be a busy night, and we have the basketball game against Oklahoma at 7. So, um, kind of to be determined uh, how we'll handle this as far as um, doing the overtime for that, as well as our Pirate Preview. Um, we tried to schedule it for um, Wednesday night, and um, that's still – It could be that we record beforehand and then release it Wednesday night. But, um, you know, Pete Medhurst, the play-by-play voice for Navy, um, did have a previous obligation that he could not work around on uh, Wednesday. Um, So we shall see. Um, But we'll have that pirate preview for you at some point with Pete Medhurst and also possibly a a brief conversation with Sy Seymour to talk about the start of the season three and O for the pirates and Joe Dooley as they head down to the Myrtle beach invitational. Um, like we just mentioned to take on the Oklahoma Sooners, seven o'clock on ESPNU on Thursday. And then on Friday, they will either play old dominion or Indiana state. And then, uh, depending on who's winning and losing, uh, they could, you know, be facing the likes of a Davidson, uh, New Mexico State, Utah State, uh, or Penn uh, in that game three, which would be on Sunday.
1: It's going to be a great tournament. By the way, the game Thursday is on ESPN. You want to remind fans about that. It's going to be a great broadcast. And uh, speaking of great broadcasts of uh, the home games with uh, Patrick Johnson, Cy Seymour doing a great job, Cy, moving from radio to television. And uh, certainly, it's going to be a great broadcast uh, for Thursday night as it's going to be on ESPN. You Very excited. Very excited, again, fans, by want I mentioned once again, get your tickets for the Cincinnati game. The last home game of the regular season will be Black Friday the 26th at 3.30 on ABC, Bubba. ABC, are you yeah. kidding me? ABC.
2: in those ticket deals, I mean, 60 bucks or 80 bucks, why you would not um, do that if you're going to go to the game uh it, you know it's too good to turn down i mean even if you're not going to yes. be able to go to the men's or women's basketball games four football tickets for 60 dollars you, you can't yeah, $15 can't be there for that yeah. F- 15 bucks a piece to watch the pirates uh, who were bowl eligible play um a top five opponent probably at the time we'll see how things go and they could be right outside of the top five they could be you know two or three like they currently are i believe in the ap poll
1: Right, fans! Don't forget that uh, selection show is coming up. Um, well, not selection show, but obviously the polls uh, for ESPN is coming up. Is that seven thirty, Bubba? I'm not sure.
2: Um, that's an hour, sometime. Yeah, it's it's such a I don't know. It's you know what's going to be headed your way, and it's not going to be good news for the uh, so-called group of five. So, I, don't, I honestly don't pay a whole lot of attention to it. I just. I just check out what what the rankings are when I get notification on my phone. I don't take the time to watch it live.
1: Uh, we are a smart man, but that's uh, we've known that for a long time since I met you in uh, 2018. Do you have anything before we go, buddy?
2: No, uh, just remember um, – Pirates play in Oklahoma on Thursday night, so um, join us for overtime as well as our preview as um, we'll head to Navy. I believe we're currently something like a three-and-a-half point favorite over the midshipmen, but it's a place that we've really struggled down through the years. We haven't won there since 2011, uh, even though Navy's, I want to say, what, two and seven, uh, something yeah. like that right now. Uh, they beat UCF. Um, they took Houston. Uh, as well as uh, some other opponents like SMU and Cincinnati to the wire. And um, most of those games, if not all of those games, were played in Annapolis. So they've had a very challenging home schedule, and um, they've given folks everything that they've wanted and then some. Uh, so the Pirates are going to have to play very well in order to win on Saturday.
1: Yes, they are. And, of course, our Pirate uh, football playback, like Bubba said, we will have our predictions. And I'm still debating on that, so I'm glad that I have time to, to think about that game some more. All right, thanks to our the EC Women's Head Basketball Coach, Kim McNeil. Thank you, Coach, for coming on. And Antoine Staley, our good friend, for jumping on. Uh, we're also going to re- – we have to reschedule our, from the Sporting News and the Big Ten Network, Mike DiCorsi, had another uh, commitment come up, so uh, we'll have him on very, very soon. All right, until next time, appreciate you folks so much for tuning in. And uh, make sure that you like our Facebook page. We have our YouTube channel. Subscribe to that. And, of course, uh, we're on Twitter um, as well. And all the podcast platforms, uh, if if you miss a show, you can obviously hear it there as well. All right. Until next time, everybody, good night and go Pirates.
0: Yo, what's going on, y'all? This is Udon Cheek, assistant track and field coach at East Carolina University. You are plugged into the Sports Objective Podcast. If you are a fan, you are plugged into the right place. And if you're really a fan, you will share that link. My heart is purple and gold. I'm a pirate down to my soul. And I don't back down at all. Find out when the cannons explode. Boom.